night, guys. I want to say thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody for watching. We are here for another episode of, you guys, you guessed it, that's right, Thoughtful Discussion with Josh Schneider and yours truly. Uh, but, you know, um, we have a special guest as well. But before I start David going again. in there, you know, say something to him, Josh. How you doing? Yeah, um, doing great. It's been uh, a, lot of, a lot of planning uh, stage right now for me with the uh, trade show coming up. But um, overall, everything's been great. Been, uh, you know, ebbs and flows. Everything comes in waves. But it's uh, couldn't be happier with with how it's all going and, Man. and uh, the podcast seems to be doing, doing well too. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm I've been loving the, yeah. the calls you've been giving me lately about <laughs> the trade show as well. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, it's been very intriguing just to see how your mind's working through that. And I mm-hmm. think we'll get into that as yeah. well. But you Love know, it's, yo, go ahead. Mother. I mean, the reason why I'm there sparked because he gave me a call and said, hey, we want some printing for Carnegie Museum of Art. Hello. And so because of that, 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 that. So, Without with further ado, um, I am here with uh, James Nestor or Jim. Awesome. Hello. What's up and with you, Jim? <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, just like a like, like a uh, uh, elevator pitch kind of thing. Elevator pitch, huh? All right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a visual artist, mm-hmm. right? Photographer, sculptor, uh, classically trained. I have a BFA and an MFA. Amazing. Um, what real quick? What years yeah. did you get those? What years did I get those? So I would have my my undergraduate was a double major, double minor. Mm-hmm. So I have almost 190 credits just in my undergraduate. Gotcha. So it took me six and a half years. Got it. So that would have been 2006, Got I it. think. Yeah. And then uh, the MFA came uh, years later, would have been 2013. Gotcha. 14, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So you've been at it for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, I have a feeling there's going to be lots of layers oh. to kind of peel back. And, yeah, and, absolutely. Because uh, I got questions already. Yeah, man. right. I got questions already. Sculpting. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, before yeah. the podcast started, you said uh, you, you gave us a good gem. You said, you know, if you want to get into sculpting, uh, be prepared to have a lot of storage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, there's a, you know. Uh, it's so, a very physical thing. It's not a 2D, like a lot of our artwork is. Yeah, it's one, you know, yeah. one layer where you're getting. And I'm scared to ask questions. More to <laughs> I'm scared to ask questions because I love to like stretch my creativity to things I've never really tried. And of course. texture is something I'm working with right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of scared of this podcast today because I might get inspired, <laughs> you know? That's, hey. that's the goal, though. I think right. that's, a, that's a big part of me. I mean, I, I, I inspire to get others to go forward and like grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, education is a huge part of my life. My father was. Uh, uh, faculty member at Indiana University of Pennsylvania mm. for 25 years. Mm. So I grew up in academia. Okay. And uh, so that became really important to me. I, Once I finished with my MFA, ideally I wanted to teach, mm. but the, um, the market is so terrible for teaching on the college level. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it wasn't worth my time. Gotcha. You know, I, I tried for a few minutes. I adjunct. I was at Allegheny County Community College for a few minutes. I did some stuff at IUP. Hmm. And what the hell was it? You, know, you, you just couldn't get up to go to that. Well, there was just a, the red tape to get into anything that was permanent hmm. yeah. was uh, unbelievable. Uh, when you adjunct, they only pay you like 150 bucks to 200 bucks a class. Right. And you might teach for five weeks, and then you don't get a phone call for six months. Yeah. So like, it was just like, yeah, the system is real broken. Like, so a, I got lot, you. a lot of people just walk away from it. Some mm. people get lucky and they're at a university that has a vacancy immediately and they can push you into something. But for me at the time, it just didn't line up. Gotcha. Okay, I got you. So you said your father also, your father was also a professor as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So you grew up in academia. Like, what was it like growing up as a child? You know, around was it was it in the arts? Yeah, he's a sculptor also. Oh, okay, so this yeah. is this second like generation. Yeah, well, let me lay this out because my family is uh, pretty dy- dynamic in that. Okay. So my my mother's a uh, she has an art history degree, mm-hmm. but she's a social worker. Gotcha. So she actually worked with a small county food bank, uh, trying to figure out how to feed a family of four on a hundred bucks mm-hmm. a week. So I got to see that side of it. So I I, mm-hmm. I was blessed with this. Uh, sober view of like how to live your life yes 
Then my, then my father was on the other side, and they're still married happily. They're crazy, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Creatives. Yeah, so he, he, he taught sculpture for 25 years, and mm. so not only did we have a giant studio on the backside of my house, right. but all he had four studios at the university that he were, that was his domain. So when I was that little kid, I was in the studios, I was screwing around. I learned how to weld by the age of seven. Wow, I, I, poured, <laughs> I poured molten bronze at the age of 12. Okay. Um, so I learned how to carve stone uh, in the middle of the um, Mediterranean with a, a friend of his. So, like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, I've been pretty fortunate because uh, he just drug me all over the world. Absolutely, man. That is interesting, man. So when was it, when was that moment you realized this was something you wanted to do, you know, forever like when you were younger like did, did it hit you then that you knew mm. when you were a child that you wanted to be a sculptor uh well so no it was it's just part of me i think okay. this and it's you didn't have a choice you think well i don't know if i didn't have a choice i think it was just so bred into me you know what okay i, mean? okay. I get but, that but yeah. it's this idea of being a maker it's not so much being a sculptor right okay. so hmm. because i what's I, the difference i don't think the difference is Sculpture, I think, was more focused. Whereas I'm a photographer, I can make anything. Like I'm able to make anything that I want. So if you want to make this mic stand, I can just make one. Okay. Right. I so, agree with that 100. percent I and I I you know what I, I mean? hear you. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I can also apply the uh, kind of classic fine art vibe to a material, and I can make it have value, and I can have expressive qualities to it, mm. or I can sit here and make this you know, mic stand or whatever we need. Absolutely. Um, and that's actually where my current job in life, I work at the museum, the Carnegie Museum of Art, as a fine art preparator and mount maker. Mm. So uh, I make the things that make the art stand up. Right? <laughs> I love that. Like, I, I love that. The art behind the art. Yeah. That's right. it. That's yeah. it. One of the pieces that we made, it was like a cube, and uh, he, he sent me videos where he was, you know, cutting it all up and putting it all together. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and yeah, so he, that's, I, I'd imagine day to day is, you know, whatever random piece of art there is, you got to make it yeah. show. Yeah, right. right. So, I mean, it's even down to the point, like, uh, there's a piece by Linda Binglis that we hung a few weeks ago, and classically, for the last 20 years, the piece had been hung on a piece of fishing line with a nail on the wall. Right. Wow. And this at is, a museum. At a museum, right? But it was kind of hidden. You never saw it. We, we, you know, we can doctor things up. And I finally, I said to my my boss, I'm like, let me just make an actual mount for it. So mm -hmm. I hammered a piece of brass and soldered it to another piece of brass. Right. We made a, a fitting on the interior of it that's pinned into place so it can't fall off the wall. You know. So now it has its own dedicated piece, and I think that's part of who mm -hmm. I am. It's this idea of caring for the art so that others can experience it. I love that. I love that. So maybe even when that piece, if that piece travels to another museum, they'll have a better idea of also how to uh, display it. They have, they have another well, option. When it, well, it gives them an absolute. So this piece was meant to hang a very specific way. Mm. And it had been wrong for mm. 20 years. Yeah. Ooh. So now we made it right. Okay. So anyway, long story short, coming back around to the back side of this. What, why sculpture? Oh, it's just there, man. I got you. It's just there. It's part of me. It's something that I've known every day. Like when I was a kid, my father would come home with this big wad of clay, mm -hmm. and it was for him. Mm -hmm. But within about three minutes, my brother and I were tearing into it. It wasn't his anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he would get upset about it, so he'd have yeah. to bring another wad of clay home and we'd take it. Right. So it just it just you know, kept going. I'm really interested. You know, um, a lot of times we find we find our our craft later in life, right? Mm -hmm. We find that person that inspires us. Um, because we maybe when we find it, we, we weren't doing it beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. So it's still new to us. We're still like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know who that person is. So I'm navigating this way. I'm navigating that way. You know, as a child, um, growing up in it, not, I don't think you had the option not to know that, um, like you didn't have like an option not to do it, you know, because yeah, I, mean, right. yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind of think of it that way, the way you explained it. So it was like, was it your father that was your greatest inspiration, or did you end up? Did you also find inspiration in like Michelangelo or, or somebody or somebody else out there? Like who was the, your the uh, major visual artist came later okay. for me, and I wouldn't say I don't know if my father was necessarily my inspiration, but he 
uh, opened the door. Okay, right? I get that. Uh, he made it possible, right? He and yeah. that my both my parents made it so that anything was happen, anything could happen. It didn't mm-hmm. matter, and they would have supported me through everything. If I wanted to be a banker, they would have stood there and helped me out. Okay, absolutely. But, um, truly, I think it was my grandmother on my mother's side. Her name is uh, Lucille Etheridge. She passed about 15 years ago, hmm. but uh, she was a wily, kind of shorter woman with uh, silver hair. She smoked Benson and Benson and Hedges 100 <laughs> cigarettes uh, continuously, and she had a color TV right. that was on the floor that was brand new. But she never watched it. The black and white TV that sat on top of it that was only 13 inches was the one that she watched. <laughs> this Religious, is different. Right? This is different. So, <laughs> I love uh, that. I can picture it. I love it. Me too. I've had the visual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but she was, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar, familiar with um, the WPA artists during World War II. It was mostly female women or female artists that would paint like murals in uh, post offices or in public mm. buildings. No. So she she had done that in mm. World War II. Wow. And then early on, she was one of the first women to be a graphic design setter for um, G.C. Murphy Company. This would have been in the early 60s. So she was this kind of rambunctious woman that, you know, she taught me how to fish. She taught me how to, you know, ride bicycles. She was the bicycle lady in the neighborhood. So she would would buy a bike for a dollar, fix it up, and sell it to the kid for 50 cents just because she wanted somebody to have a bicycle. Right. And that was and she grew up in, like, the east side of Cleveland in probably one of the toughest neighborhoods you could think of, but they left little Lucille alone, right? Because she took care of everybody. She took care of everybody. And it was because of her that made me who I am. Mm. Um, because I'm just, you know, I don't know. Everything's an adventure, man. Yeah. Everything's an adventure. Absolutely. What type of child were you? Like, when you go to school, you know, I, I think when I was in high school, you had you had a few different groups, you know? You had the, you had the, the athletic group, you had the, the book group, the, like yeah, the yeah, bookworms, yeah, yeah. you know, you had the, you know, the popular kids, the kids that just wanted to be in their own little bubble. You know, what type of child, like who were you in high school, man? Mm. What, what group were you in? All right, so I'm a 90s baby, right? Uh, talk that talk, right. man. So talk, these, I graduated these little snappers don't I'm, know what this I'm gonna is lay about. Out, okay, I'm gonna be an old man for a second. <laughs> I graduated in 97. Okay. Got it. Um, so, I wore blue jeans, mm-hmm. a black pair of leather boots, a flannel, the same flannel every day till it fell apart. Absolutely. And I had long hair to my chin. Okay. Right? And uh, I had about four friends and a girlfriend. That was it. Gotcha. That was it. You just yeah. kept it solid like that. My life revolved around being in the dark room or mm-hmm. in the art room at the school. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, didn't matter. Like, that was everything. And then I had friends that were older. Um, mm. from, but they were guys that I grew up well, grew up with when I was younger. But as far as high school went, it was real yeah. real narrow. You know, kept your blinders on. Pretty much looked down the whole time. Didn't care to talk to anybody. Yeah, which probably made you one of the cool kids. I ain't gonna lie to you. to me. That would be like the coolest person to me. You know, I don't care. Yeah, well, right. I, kinda, I, I got picked that. I mean, yeah. it was really because I was different, yeah. and that was fine. I didn't care. It didn't matter yeah. to me. That was always the kids I loved hanging out with. Mm-hmm. The, that was the ones, the individuals that they didn't want to be a carbon copy. Right. It was like, nah, I'm cool. I'm yeah. good. I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's so Louis, hard. Newest trends, new, yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's nah, so good. I, I got something. To be. Right. You know, it's easier to be the other guy mm-hmm. that wants yeah. to be like the other guy. It right. is hard to be solid on, I'm just going to be me. Where did mm-hmm. you gather that from? Because I think that's important as well. I think it was just about being independent. At the, mm-hmm. In the 90s. Uh, Especially was, in the 90s. Yeah, it was kind of tough love, right? We didn't have emotional support. Nobody talked, Nobody went to therapy. No, like, I'm still crying, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was a tough time. <laughs> so uh, I think for me it was just about just trying to get through life on my own. Mm-hmm. Like my folks were there, but I didn't want their help because I was a teenager, you know? Yeah. I had a little brother who was five years younger than me. And... Uh, as long as he was all right, I was all right. That's mm. all that mattered. Mm. And I think it was just about being myself. I, I yeah. think the, between the music at the time and everything was changing so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and the internet wasn't, I mean, like, they had a couple computers in the school, but you didn't yeah. have one, and there was no cell phone. Oregon right? Trail. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Right. I remember Dysentary, that, man. Right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. does. Uh, uh, Carmen San Diego. You know what I mean? Like, yep. that was the thing, right. man. Floppy yeah. disk. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Those were the times. Yeah. Oh, man. I just got to. Just had to reminisce for a second. Yeah. That was beautiful. No, so <laughs> I, like I noticed a, a bunch of similarities 
with uh, my upbringing. Like my parents, they had a health food store that it crashed and burned when I was like six years old. They, um, you know, lost the house to the bank and, you know, the, the whole like, you know, failure of, of you know, business as, as, as bad as it could be. Um, but there was still something in me that was like, this entrepreneurship, like, like they decided to work for themselves. Like, mm-hmm. I think I can make that work. And uh, seeing them do it, even though they struggled and, and it didn't work out, um, you know, they still, the, the fact that they put the effort in and they tried, like, that was so amazing to me as just like a little kid to see that, like, that that was possible. So, mm. like, when I started my first little thing, like, doing my own thing, it was, I was probably 12 years old, um, and, uh, like, no one told us that we couldn't. And then I started working for myself full-time when I was 18, and, um, like, so my mom was a big inspiration. She was, I would say she was the more artsy one. She was always pushing for, you know, oh, try this, try that, whatever. Yeah. Um, and she passed away when I was 16. So I think having that influence kind of carried into, like, kind of set the tone for how I would, you know, view the world as a artist and entrepreneur as I grew, you know, into my twenties and thirties. So everything that you were saying, and I was like, I'm like, like there's so many, I I think that when there's um, art, one of the reasons that we have this podcast and we, we interview primarily artists and entrepreneurs is because like, there's always something that kind of like lines up and you're like, like it it clicks and you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Perfect sense. You know what I mean? As a child, I I was that kid Mm -hmm. that would show up at an opening yeah. And I would be eight years old, mm-hmm. running as fast as I could through that gallery. Oh, scaring <laughs> the crap out of my son. My son's like that. Holding <laughs> stuff down, making sure I didn't knock stuff over. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was. And my parents didn't bat an eye. Yeah. You know, it was just how it was. Mm, and gotcha. I, I wouldn't give up any of that. Mm. Any of that. Um, I think it made me who I am today. I'm, I'm stubborn as yeah. hell. And I don't give it up. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. That's the only way it goes. I'm lying. I got that. I and, and another reason for the podcast is because we're all so different. Like, there are similarities. Yeah. And I'm hoping that when people listen or watch, they're able to see, you know, maybe something in themselves and, and maybe find that jumping off point or something like that. But, like, uh, and encourage people to, you know, do their own thing. Or Absolutely. if they're already doing it, you know, keep keep at it. Um, but the being able to have people on and highlight who they are and what they're doing, what like what what makes them different, I think has been. Um, it's been the most really, amazing yeah, part. Yeah, it very really rewarding. Because it, it's it's almost like you know, uh, being being a creative, we all have this this thread that's connect that connects mm-hmm. all of us, and it looks different, but it's 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 the same. You know, it's just everybody has their own experience with this. So you know, hearing your story, hearing stories of the past uh, people that we had sit in this chair as well, mm-hmm. has been. Um, confirmation uh, of that the feelings that I get when I'm going for something or when I'm doing something mm-hmm. they're valid it's part of the process you Absolutely. know the process is the process and everybody goes through it their own way right you know what I mean so it's beautiful um, so hearing hearing how what type of child you were what what happened after high school man when did you say when did you like I, all right I'm done with high school uh, you stayed in the dark room. You mm-hmm, stayed. You mm-hmm. stayed to yourself. You know, four friends and a girlfriend. That sounds like a, a sitcom in the nineties. Um, <laughs> let's just put that out there. <laughs> uh, but you was like, you know, now it's time to go on to uh, higher education. Or did you did you take that gap year? No, that was. I went straight in. So hmm. I graduated in late in June. There was so much snow, and because it was, well, I lived in Western PA. Okay. So you know, June nineteenth, I think I graduated. Uh, July 8th, I started my first class at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, so uh, they claimed I had a learning disability when I was a kid, right? Like which one? I'm dyslexic. Me too. My man. Right. Best yeah. thing that ever happened to me. Well, and the, so I couldn't spell, mm-hmm. right? And I lived in, so at one point in my life, I was living in the city of Pittsburgh. And when, when I moved to Indiana, Pennsylvania, where my father taught, I missed phonetics. I never learned how to spell mm. phonetically. One school pit taught it one time of the year, the other school taught it another, and I caught it missed backwards. It. I missed mm. it. So I never learned that. So that was something. I don't that know what phonetics is, guys. The idea of spelling or sounding out a word. Okay, okay. I just never learned it. So I had to yeah. learn that through high school. So forever they had this you know, learning disability followed me. Okay. Mm. So when I applied for college, my transcript had this stuff on it. 
And they're like, oh, we can put you in this program, you know, like a little soft start kind of situation. Right. When I walk in, these classes are like 100-level courses. They're math, English, but it's like the stuff that I just learned in high school. Mm. It was like cakewalk, right? Yeah. So I just breezed through it, and I kept my credits pretty high. Like, well, my grades were all right for the first semester, but I wanted the meat and potatoes. I went mm. there for art school, right? Yeah. Because my yeah. whole bag was art school. Right. And uh, so as soon as that first real semester came in, uh, I was in it deep. And the only classes I seemed to be able to pass were art classes. Mm-hmm. Everything else, nothing else mattered, <laughs> right? And I almost failed out my second oh, semester, okay. gotcha. right? Because I was just, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Math Just the electives. You said like, you were yeah. stubborn. You said yeah. you were stubborn. Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. I'm going to believe you. So I would go to the math class every once in a while, just enough to take the test or whatever. Yeah. But the rest of the time was spent in the studio. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason why I had a little extended uh, undergraduate career, because I just kept taking studio class after studio class after studio class. Because that's where I was. My heart was there. Okay, I got you. Um, but then I had to do the necessaries to get my way out. Mm-hmm. So what what were you taking? You know, what was your what was your major? What was so, the things that you didn't get that brought the smile to your face? In high school, I had a passion for photography. Right. Mm-hmm. I learned it from my great uncle. That would have my grandmother Lucille's brother mm. right they lived together um, he came from an era he was a uh, graphic designer and interior designer he hung out the Playboy Club like mm. collected all sorts of weird stuff mm-hmm. he was also uh, homosexual right mm-hmm. but at the time everything was closeted yeah classic yeah, kind of 50s 60s thing right right, right. it was it was heavy there. but and they never actually spoke about it to me but my brother and I knew you know, right. we could tell. And yeah. it didn't matter. Like, I, I really didn't care. But he uh, gave me my first camera. It was mm. a 35 millimeter. It was a toy. It was, I don't know what it was, but I played with it and I used it, right? This is seven, eight years old. Yeah. And then my grandmother, she also, every time we showed up, she had a 110 millimeter uh, camera. You know, the ones with a little plastic thing to drop <laughs> yeah, in the back yeah, with the cube yeah. on the top, right? I know pop. exactly what you're talking about. She'd break those out, and she would take thousands of photographs of us. Amazing. So anyway, I had one of those. I was probably eight, seven or eight. Yeah, I remember. I'm yeah. You still got you still got some of the pictures. Uh, both of y'all. I do. You, you still? I do. Oh man, I don't. I, I got pro- them all somewhere. Probably back in California. <laughs> I to Cali. So, um, but because of that, I had a passion for photography. Uh, I already learned how to use a darkroom, mm. you know, in the first years of high school, uh, and. Indiana University of Pennsylvania, they didn't have a fine art photography course load. Mm. They only had this communication media thing. I took yeah. it once. I didn't care for the professor. I knew more about the darkroom situation than anybody else because I'd already done it for three years in high school. Right. Yeah. So uh, I readjusted and I went into print media or printmaking, mm-hmm. right? primarily in silk screens and okay. uh, intaglio uh, with um, copper plates. So that was really the basis of my first three years of undergraduate was that. Hmm. Okay. Let me let me ask you a question because you, you said something and it, and it hit me too because uh, you, you took three, year, three years you were working in the dark room. You go into college, you say, I know more than you guys do, right? Uh, e- even if you don't say it out loud, maybe the way you move is like, I ain't listening with you. I'm still going to do what right. I do. And then right. you said you were stubborn as well. Yeah, yeah. Did that cause, did that cause some... But looking back on that moment, friction. Yeah, yeah. You know what we're going to get to, right? Looking back on that moment, do you think you were a little bit too stubborn? Like, do you think you missed some things because of the mindset? No. Because well, these guys were in college. Sure. I mean, I, don't, I know where you're going, and I, I don't you. disagree, but here's this is the trade, right? Mm. So I took the communications media course. It would have been my second semester, so it would have been 90. No, sorry. Second year. So it'd be 98. I took that course. Okay. I got an A, no problem, whatever. Teacher didn't like me. We didn't get along. Right. He said I was never going to go anywhere. Uh-huh. Gave me the fuel. 1999 <laughs> comes along, and there's an. I'm flipping through the back of Art Forum magazine. They used to have all these open calls, mm-hmm. right? And it was things like 35 bucks. You send them slides. Maybe you get a piece in. Maybe you don't. Right. I was a kid. It didn't matter. So mm. in the back of it, it has... Sarajevo, uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, hmm. International Arts Festival, 99. For 35 bucks, $25 in shipping, 
send off three slides, whatever. I get a call back. They want me to bring stuff. Yeah. What? To, to Bosnia, right? Well, what? So I tied, <laughs> So my old man also applied for the same thing. No, don't tell me you about to tell me. <laughs> we tag teamed it, right? We yeah. brought in a third artist who is a, a, a architect out of the city of Pittsburgh. Mm. A guy named Arthur Lubitz, somebody I've known since I was a little kid. So the three of us were the only American visual artists as part of this Winter Arts Festival in Bosnia. So, and my proposal was, because I had to have a proposal, because I didn't have any physical art to take with me. Mm. It was too complicated, right? I had to fly all this stuff there. Yeah. Remember this, in 99, it's only two years after the treaty was sealed, right? Mm. So stuff was still kind of going mm. down in the city. It was a little gamey. Yeah. Right. So, Might um, not get all your luggage either. <sighs> there's stories. Anyway, okay. okay. <laughs> so my deal was, my plan was that I was going to drag all my film right. and all the paper and all the chemicals with me. Mm. And that the, the academy there would supply me with a dark room within a larger. Mm. That's all I needed. <laughs> so I did that. I was there for three weeks. Yeah. The first week, I shot 42 rolls of black and white film. Mm. Right. I had uh, 400 speed and 3200 speed film with me. I got stopped at the airport when I came into the city because I refused to let them scan my bag to come into the city. Security was high. Everybody had AK-47s. It was some serious stuff. And you still said no. No. I said, no, you got to hand check it. And the guard is like, who are you, CIA, FBI? Like, kind of give me a hard time. Yeah. And um, we had a translator with us. He's like, no, he's an artist. And they're like, oh, go. I could have <laughs> had anything in that bag. And they're like, go ahead, it's fine. <laughs> Why Crazy. was that? In Europe, artists are respected significantly more than mm. in the States. It is like royalty. Royalty. It was unbelievable. But anyway, mm. Did you use that for everything else? <laughs> like, what, like beer what, and stuff? Once you figured that out? Like, like, I think over there you could drink at 19. Though, right? Nobody cared about anything. Yeah. You yeah. Could I'm weed. an artist. You could, smoke, you could smoke weed in the street at that time. Nobody cared. Yeah. Um, it was a war-torn city. I mean, a lot of the... Uh, I photographed mostly people at the time, and I shot from the chest. I didn't right. want anybody to know that I was shooting, mm. so it was kind of candid style, right? And um, so, yeah, I shot all this film. I processed it all. I printed it all. And I exhibited in a fifteenth uh, century uh, storehouse that's three foot wall, three foot thick walls with big iron things. It was part of the spice trade coming across the country, or mm. coming across Europe. Sheesh. Anyway, so I I, show, I showed all this stuff as part of it. It was an international affair, right. uh, but I stepped in it, right? And that's why it didn't matter that mm. this com media prof didn't like me because. I got you. I, I know what I'm doing. I could do so this. you were, you had already done that before that this guy told right, you, it was or a after? Year after? Okay. So it, and I don't and it, I was very fortunate. I was the right place, mm -hmm. right time. Mm -hmm. Right. But I had already had those skills. Got you. Mm. So it was kind of a strange event. Strange yeah. event. Yeah. I mean, you had more experience than. I mean, a lot of. I mean, that's that's interesting. Oh, so there's a reason why you walked the way you walked. Just say it like that. It was solidified. Yeah. I um, guess, but you know what? I I also assume, I don't assume I know anything. Okay. Right? And that, that's what I, I wanted that. to get I, you to. You have to be humble because yeah. the minute you act like yeah. you know everything, then you're going to get stepped on. Right. And there's always that one person that knows more. Always right. that one person. So I, and that's where I wanted to get to. You know, I feel like sometimes we, we do, because we do this so many years, I, I want to be the curious how. You know what I mean? I, wanna, I always want to be studious. I don't really ever want to get to the point where I feel like I'm a master because that's when I know that's when the decline happens. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. when you're you, when you feel like there's nothing else left you can do. Um, I think it's you just gave up on searching sure. because there's always there's always another avenue. Mm. You know, there's a there's a question I want to know because I know Josh is also a phenomenal photographer. You know, Josh, like, what was one of those things that why why do you love photography? Because I want to hear it like. Your answer, and then I want to hear this this gentleman's answer as well. Yeah, um, for me, like when I when I take photos, and someone can tell me like, oh, it looks like how it felt when we were there. I'm like, thank you, like that, like that's <laughs> that's that. what I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and no matter what it is, like what the style is, like if you can achieve that, um, and it doesn't matter, you know, like like there's lots of nuances that that people will care way too much about, like. There's a lot of that, that that has no 
actual meaning if you you can't see the photo and and feel like you were it was when you were there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do. And that's just from somebody viewing it. Right. Like I, I know when I see something and it feels like oh they embodied the moment. Exactly. I got a feeling I know the vibe of that. Right. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's called phenomenology. Okay. This is phenomenological <laughs> response. Yeah. Right. It's this idea of uh, most of the time phenomenology or phenomenological. We're, I, that's not correct, but close. The Webster's going to call yeah. you and tell you. Yeah, 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 right? Leave, right? A, leave a comment. <laughs> so the, most of the time that deals with something that's tactile, something that you feel with your hands. Okay. But you can also feel it emotionally. And right. that was actually the basis of my thesis. So this mm. is like, you know, some really Ooh, yeah. Oh, this is perfect. Let's go, man. Let's go. But, so I agree. I, I mm -hmm. like you, I think this idea of stopping time is really important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? And it's stopping that mm -hmm. moment, keeping that moment, never losing that moment. And sometimes it's fleeting, right? Mm. It's only half second, thirteenth of a second, one sixtieth of a second, one yes. thousandth of a second. It could be the way the baseball starts to turn as the batter's going to hit it. You can see all the all the strings on the backside of the ball just before it gets hit, right? Mm. Or the or the guy's face is getting smashed as he's going up for a dunk, and the defender hits him with an elbow. Like yeah. you never know what it is. Um, yes. So. It's that moment. That moment is really important to me, and I want other people to see that moment. Mm -hmm. Right? It's about sharing this experience. Absolutely. Because you're only there for a second, and it's gone. Right? And yes. it's a, I think that's a te the temporal yeah. moment is what it is. Yeah. It's that t very temporary moment that's most important to me. Mm. Um, and that's what led me into journalism too, because I was a, I was a, f a photojournalist for 13 years. Right. That's another thing, you know. As as we find as we find the essence of why we do something, mm. where it's easier to identify it in other things. You, when you start to understand the, what's it, the, the, the basis of why I enjoy this, it can, get, it can open up the other avenues of finding other things. Oh, that's also in that. Right. So let me, let me piggyback, let me, let me jump into that and see if I can find, because I enjoy this thing. So you start to, you know, that's, that's interesting. It's almost like finding, understanding your purpose in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like okay, now I know I can do that because it fits with my purpose. Right. You know, that's 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 core values, really. Um, that's dope, man. That's I mean, dope. I think every every thing that we're doing, um, you know, I talk about. I have these like philosophical ideas that I I mention in the in the episodes. It's like, you know, if you have these cornerstones or you have these. Um, like you're building blocks of what whatever it is you're putting into your life and putting the effort into, mm. um, like doing photojournalism for 13 years. Like obviously that that's a big chunk of your life. It's huge. But like when you're in it, you're, I mean, you're not thinking, oh, later I'm gonna say, I had 13 years. Like that's not a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you have to have that to get to the next spot. So every single part you're in, you're the there's a purpose for why you're in it. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Dope. So you said you, you jumped from photography uh, to journalism because also it was also about capturing, uh, I don't know, the words that you used. I was going to say the moment, <laughs> that moment, that split second that will no longer exist. It it only exists one time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, what happened? What made you jump into journalism? Like, that, how did that? How did that that transfer so, over? Because you didn't even. You said you were dyslexic, so a lot of times if you don't like to read, you also don't like to write. Oh, so that's that hurts. That, so it's, it's <laughs> I know it's personally, painful. I know. and it's upsetting. And so, any even now to this day, when I have to write an email for work, I write it elsewhere. I read it once, yeah. and then I actually copy and paste it into the email, or you know, into yeah. whatever, and send it off. Mm -hmm. Like. And I have to be critical because now I'm at a point where everything counts. You're a journalist, man. <laughs> so you gotta tell you. Gotta. Well, so he, this is how this is how it worked, right? right. I graduated call, uh, undergrad. I was married for a year or so, and my wife's brother-in-law was working as a welder. Okay. Well, as a sculptor, I learned how to weld. That's so it. The money's good. Yeah. I need to work. He's like, come on, come work. You know, I'll see what I can do. I walk in, they give me a job. I work at this place as a fabricator for nine months. Mm. 
And You're like, I started welding when I was seven. I got this. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it was nothing. I walk in and we started, you know, we were building these giant uh, oil drilling rigs mm. that were based on truck chassis. Mm. It was against everything that I ever wanted to do. Mm. I didn't want to sit there in a greasy, stinky shop. Mm. But somebody's got to do the work. I respect yeah. the hell out of the people that did it. I work with some machinists that were geniuses. Yeah. They look like they just got off, you know, the turnip truck. But like, <laughs> they look bad. They're yeah. missing teeth. I mean, things were Shout rough. Shout out yeah. to those guys. Things man. were rough. But they could do trigonometry in their head, right? That, so, like, suddenly I respected the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. But for me... Yeah. I was tired of being dirty. I had black boogers. I mean, like, everything was terrible. Yeah, I got it. So one day in my head, I'm like, you know what? I got to get out of here. The next day, my foreman comes to me. He's like, hey, I got to let you go. <laughs> I said, why? He's like, there's no more money. Place is going to go belly up. I got to let you go. And you're, you're, you're the last one. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm on trying the... to save what we got left. Yeah. Yeah. Low man on the total bowl, I got to let you go. And he was crying. Oh, he can't, man. And I reached across the table. I shook his head. I said, thank you. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. I'm out. You know? yeah. So I got my stuff. I left. So the next day. A blessing. I, yeah. I applied for a job with this little newspaper in Indiana, Indiana Gazette. Yeah. I applied for graduate school. Mm-hmm. And then I went and found a day job at a pizza place, slinging yeah. pies. Because I had yeah. to eat. I ain't right. mad at that. Right. So eat. you work and eat. Make money and go home. Right. Yeah, you was right. a you got, yeah. you real smart, man. It's creative right there. But yeah. within, within six weeks, everything took. I mm. got into grad school and I got the job at the newspaper. So I was working three days a week at the newspaper mm. as a journalist. The rest of the time during the day, because I only worked at night, I worked three to eleven. Mm-hmm. Right. So I painted houses during the day. Right. And then I was still delivering pizza at one point too. So I was working <laughs> seven days a week. Yeah, and then once I got into grad school, I cut I cut the house painting out, but I kept the other two gigs because I mm-hmm. needed five days a week. I had an income, like right. mm-hmm. things had to work. Usually, when Love when it. your schedule is that that uh, that tied up, though, how do you get a chance to create? Like, what, did you have any energy to create at that uh, time? So once I with graduate school, it was a uh, on site intensive process, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to be there. Didn't matter. Yeah. So my butt was up at five a.m. And I was in the studio mm. as long as I could be. Mm. Okay. And then I would, after class, and I'd go to work. I'd get off work at 11 o'clock. I'd go back to the studio. So I did that for three years. Okay. My wife almost left me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She hated me. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, that's important, too. Yeah. That's important, too, because we're so locked in mm-hmm. on that thing we do. Sometimes the world doesn't exist while that's happening. But it's ha- but the well, world does exist. Yeah. And we lose we lose track mm-hmm. of Absolutely. that. Um, how did how did you identify mm. that you had to adjust your energy to to your loved one? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. In fact, I was like that. That job ruled my life uh, for ten years. Do you regret it? Mm, I missed a whole lot. I didn't take a vacation. The first vacation I took was uh, in twenty twenty. Rode my bike from Pittsburgh to DC. Mm. I hadn't taken a vacation before that. Let, let me ask I didn't you. even have a honeymoon with my wife. Gotcha. Because we both started new jobs two weeks after we got married. Married. You just went straight into yeah. it. If there was something, let me ask you this: If there was something you could do different, mm. if there if there was a way to do it just that much more better, what would that way be? If you no, could I have no different? regrets. You have no regrets. No regrets. Respect that. My wife. She didn't understand it now, then, and I don't know if she understands it now, mm. but she accepted me, and she supported me. She was yeah. there for it. Yeah. But she was mad. That's as strong. Hell. She was yeah. mad as hell. That's, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a shout out to her, because yeah. we need that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need somebody that's beside you. I, 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 I tell people that are listening, you know, the person that's, that, that's in bed next to you is just as important to where you want to go than the person in the mirror. Yeah. yeah. When know? you started this business, I said... Let me hear your business plan, and yeah. then tell me what your wife thinks about it. Because first, I said, first two questions. Because first two questions. Exactly. Yeah. Because I knew, like, there's been so many instances where if the other, if the partner isn't on board, and it even happened in my life, that you, it's going to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And if your if your heart is set on the thing and yeah. not them, yeah. then it's gonna it's gonna overtake uh, everything. Yeah. And if but if they're not on board and but you're but they're your thing. The, this won't succeed. You know what I mean? Exactly. So they have to, but if they're behind it and they, they want it to, mm-hmm. 
you're in. You know, just this is this is important. You know, before, like <laughs> today, my wife was like, "Okay, what you got to do today?" I was like, yeah. "All right, uh, working I'm here at six in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm off at four. Go get the girls, get them situated. You come home. I had to go to a meeting, mm-hmm. then come down here. We're gonna do the two podcasts. You know, what she said, "Well, she's like, you want me to drop you off something to eat?" Yeah, you know, like to how me, can I support you? Yo, you know, that was mm-hmm. it was, uh, man. Like, yo, shout out to you, lady. You amazing. <laughs> Phenomenal. I love you. Well, mine's death. a little bit different. Yeah. So my little, she won't, there's no dinner when I get home. <laughs> yeah, that's always, yeah. I was but, there before. But she supports me. She yeah. she understands that I, I just got to do stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know? Because I'm, I'm, I always think of it like Betty White in that Snickers commercial. You know what I mean? That's, what, that's the, the one I go back to. You know, yeah. oh, you got to eat. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. if, if when I'm not doing this, like this is my medicine. Creativity mm-hmm. is my medicine. And when I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. I'm not worth being around. I'm not. You don't want to be around me. I am a horrible person. I'm a very nice guy, but I am a horrible yeah. person. When I, I My life falls apart when I don't have creativity in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, so for me, that's where when I became a journalist and I started working for this newspaper, yeah, uh, it turned into the creativeness, right? Mm-hmm. Because oh, so. uh, I was able to apply my craft for eight hours and get paid for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Just to redirect. It, and yeah. but the craft yeah. was different, right? Well, yeah. So I wasn't taking a photograph to be an artist anymore. I was taking a photograph to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So that added another corner to my box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also allowed me to hone my knowledge of the camera and how it acts. And now I'm fortunate in that it's just an extension of my hand. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about anything. Yeah. That's where I think everybody wants to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, 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 that's the top of the ladder for me. Not the top, but it, as far as I can see right now, that's where <laughs> yeah. I'm looking. Right. You know, because I don't know where it goes I, after that. Well, what it does is yeah. it, it frees your mind to yeah. do everything else. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to be even more creative because I can say, oh, I want this to be in shadow. I want this to be in focus. I want this. I want this. I want this. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just, my right hand just does all the work and it's done. How did you not let the money take the joy? Because I think sometimes when mm-hmm. we're being creative, we want to create what we want to create. And when we have to create mm-hmm. something for someone else. I have an answer put, for this too, but I, I want to hear oh, yours yeah, first. I want to hear both of y'all answers. <laughs> I'm, I'm really asking. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, as, a, as a journalist, the money is garbage. Okay. I didn't. I was poverty level. Mm-hmm. That's why I worked painting houses. That's why I had side gigs. That's why I shot weddings. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was shooting 10, 12 weddings a summer. Mm-hmm. Right? With a thousand bucks a piece, that's pretty good money. Yeah, especially for a summer. But it doesn't come and it comes and goes, and sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And I didn't chase it. I never looked for it. I never advertised. I put stickers on my car once, and I made so much money from those stickers, I did it again. <laughs> right? That's really where it was at. Yeah, was, yeah. And word of mouth. You do one wedding, next thing you're doing the friend, then mm-hmm. you're doing the uncle, and you're doing the sister, and like it bounces around. Um, but that's hard work. Yeah. And I don't like mothers of the bride. I don't mm-hmm. like, I got you. I'm kind of done with that. I'm okay. All right. I'm okay. all right never doing Been that. There. Okay. Okay. Been there. So, but um, that's really what it came down to was the newspaper gig became a passion, mm. right? And it sucked a little bit of the wind out of me making art. So I stopped mm. making so much sculpture at that time. Mm. But I was in graduate school, so I kind of had to, right? Gotcha. Because I became part of it. Yeah. But that's also, you know, it's just part of the way I, I, I evolved a little bit. Right. So I was applying photographs of photography in sculpture. So I started making more multimedia pieces that are video based or pieces that had components mm. that were photographic. And then it became part of an installation. Mm. Um, and it's, it all played together and all worked to it. So when I walk into the newspaper, the guy's like, oh, you don't really have a whole lot of experience in journalism. I said, but I know how that paper's made. And I can go make a hard version with my own hands right now if you want. I'll go back to my studio. I can print three color and make it exactly the same as you. And he's like, all right, you're creative, whatever. He's like, yeah. you got some holes in your I have a bunch of earrings in my ear. He's like, yeah. I don't like those. Those are going to come out if you're going to work for me. So whatever I pulled the earrings out. You straight. Away. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it took. Hmm. But what I didn't realize taking that job, though, was and I never thought about it is that I'd be running headlong into some of the scariest situations. Mm. The one can think of car wrecks, shootings, murders, oh, all that kind of stuff. Oh, you had to see some things, man. Yeah, so, but at the same time, I with that, 
I also got to see the best moments of people's lives. Mm. Whether it be a young child with the fire hose and the fireman behind him, like mm-hmm. and that kid gets to lay on the gas with the fire hose and have a good time. Mm. Yeah. Or a young lady with Down syndrome uh, who became a cheerleader with a whole squad of adult cheerleaders that were there to mm. you know, throw her up in the air yeah. and, and work with her. I wish um, those stories would get told more. I love. They're not allowed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I call it. It's called. I call it the blues these days instead of the news. It seems like a lot of times those moments you just speaking of right there is the. That's that would bring me back to watching. Right. Yeah. Like it's like it's just it's very, it's way too tough right now. Those are the numbers. The 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 things that I worked on that I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. I also don't. I'll never forget the first time I listened to a woman die. It was in a car accident, long so short. It was only me, one firefighter, and her. Mm. And she had had a a diabetic seizure behind the wheel. She ruined it into the car, and she was stuck in the footwell, and all you could hear is just her last breath. And Mm. that, like, I'll never forget it. I have the photograph. It's on my website. Like, I'll never forget that moment. How do you you navigate the future uh, with that on your mind? How do you, how do you, how do you, like, how, yeah, do you, how do you process how, that? Yeah, yeah. How do you even wake up to go back the next day, right? Because like that's, that's it, tough. Well, it instantly made me think about how fragile mm-hmm. the per- a human body is. Mm-hmm. And that how... So you came to it with thankfulness? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Uh, but to Completely move, get that. To move mm-hmm. forward from that, though, like, it made me cherish every minute. Mm-hmm. Right? And it made me think about, like, my actions and other people's actions and the, what can happen. This reminds me of Josh. I don't mean to be negative about that. No, no, no. I love that. I love that. I love that. Because Josh, this reminds me of something you told me that you used to have to do as a child. Yeah. Um, Until I was, I I was probably from like maybe seven to 11 or 12. um, My mom would have have us write down one thing and it had to be different every day. One thing that we were thankful for. And like just that was drilled into my head. So now like the, 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 Thankfulness is, like, always on the forefront of my mind of, like, all right, well, what could, any situation that I'm in, like, what is there to be thankful for? Yeah. So, like, that's, like, it's, and that's, it's so loud in my head that there's, it doesn't leave a lot of room for um, negativity. Yeah, because. And when, it, when ne- negativity does come in, it's, yeah. like, like. That's annoying. I don't. Yeah. I don't deal with that. Yeah, actually, I, I have no time for it. Like, right, if, right. If somebody, uh, there was a, uh, a coworker, had a moment. He was really upset for about three hours. I said to my boss, "I don't have time for whatever he's got." Yeah. Like, I got better things to do. I gotta keep going forward. That's that's so, why. I mean, I, I truly admire you, uh, Josh, and I'm and I'm really hearing into you. It's like I'm starting to identify. It is, it is the ability to stay calm. Mm-hmm. And, and when when noise is being thrown at you like mm. that, that helps you like 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 you said, it's an extension. Like your camera is an extension of your hand now, and it let it it it, it allows your mind to to do all so many other things. Mm-hmm. When you're able to let gratitude for life be an extension of who you are, yes. when things that come around that you may not be <laughs> that may not be the best thing to experience mm. you're able to be you're able to be grateful and, and use your mind to say you know what that's not actually as important <laughs> you know what I'm right saying? yeah because there's other things that I can be focusing on so you budget know? just like you budget your money um, I you, wish you budget your time <laughs> you budget your energy you budget yeah. your thoughts you budget yeah. the, you you budget everything in your life and then you end up with um, you know you realize what a spend some people are, some things are, some, um, you know, and you, as, as you criticize yourself, you realize, like, oh, I didn't need to, s- I spent three days worrying about that. Like, mm. that, I just lost three days for nothing. Like, right. and I, I could have been three days farther on the thing that I actually wanted to do. So right. let's not do that again. That's why I started meditating, man. That's been yeah. my thing this Good. week. Good. Yeah, the past two weeks. And it's been helping me. I've been finding myself being calm in, in mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. where a lot of people are losing their shit. You yeah. know, just just to put it out there, it's it's been a thing. Oh, to, you know? See, for me, I have it's full on exhaustion. Because <laughs> you seem so calm. <laughs> full I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> no, so I, you know, when I was a kid, I rode a bicycle a lot. Mm-hmm. My wife, just before the pandemic hit, 
was it 2019? She buys me a bike. The bike's now got 6,000 miles on it. Mm. So I ride continuously. Now I have a mountain bike and a gravel bike, and I ride, and like last weekend I put 40 miles on it. Mm. Thought nothing of it. You take your camera with you, or you leave it just to ride it? Well, I drag the phone with me. So that's Mm -hmm. part of the conundrum now is the (laughs) cell phone and the DSLR or the mirrorless, Mm -hmm. they're almost the same thing. And my thought is, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, the best camera you have is the one in your hand. Yes. Right. It doesn't matter There's, what quality it is. The person behind it. Write that down. Yeah. Fast. Yes. And yeah. just like I said at the uh, at the last night, nice to meet you event, um, when I was making that video, it's like um, you're the reason why, you know, if you're an entrepreneur or artist or whatever, like you are the reason yeah. that people want to buy from you or people want to see your thing or people want to work with you or whatever it is. Um, like don't for don't forget that individuality, but but you are the creator of whatever that thing is. And so whether it is a phone or a camera or yeah. what, whatever that equipment is, and I mean, even with screen printing, like, um, so I did screen printing for 11 years professionally, and um, like, I could have tough, a, I could have a Jimmy business. clamp, yeah, and yeah. as long as I had mesh that was tight enough and a squeegee, like, I could make it work. Uh-huh. Um, it might take a little longer, but like, you can, you can make anything, as long as you know the fundamentals and you have uh-huh. the basics, like, you, you can work with it. So it doesn't matter if you have uh, a cell phone or uh, film or, or whatever. Yeah. Like if as long as you are the one operating it and you have an intention, right. I, I think that that's well, it. Deploying yeah. the attitude of gratitude, yeah. being grateful yeah. for not having everything that yeah. you need. Sure. Right? Where they say creativity is the necess- creativity is the necessity. Uh, necessity is the catalyst of all creativity. Mm-hmm. I believe is what they yeah. say, right? So um, you said the best camp, the best camera to use is you said what did you the say? one in your hands. Is the best one, one in the one in your hands. Is yeah. the one in your hands. Don't worry about it, so right? Yeah, you don't know, worry about it. What was because uh, you're the one. You're the one that uh-huh. is going to make the camera function. Mm-hmm. So if if you're not there, the camera's not doing anything, mm-hmm. right? So what are you doing about it? Like why are why is that the yeah. thing? Yeah, I love it. I love it, man. You got. Hopefully, you guys have a pencil <laughs> and a paper in your hand right now, man. This is a this is a master class right now on just life in general. I think that's that's absolutely amazing. Life is art. Yeah, man. That's real. So you know, we haven't gotten to the sculpture. The like we I think we tapped on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we got a chance to really hit on. You know. Yeah, you're doing photojournalism, and then right. did you were you doing sculpture the whole time while you're doing so, that? So in the for. Well, throughout my uh, working on my MFA, and a little bit after that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, ex- I have a laundry list of exhibitions uh, mm-hmm. all over regional, you know, Pittsburgh, Philly. Little, I was in New York, um, drug that stuff all over the place. I mean, yeah. it gets heavy after a while. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what is it that, uh, like, if like, what is it that you like that you like to sculpt? Is it is it figurative? Yeah, it's, is no, it? it's pr- so it's primarily of fabricated, a lot of welded steel. Mm-hmm. Cast objects. Um, I reference uh, an artist named Brancusi. It's the Walking Man. If you've ever been, oh to the yeah, that's meeting. my one of my favorites. I right. love right. that statue. Those statues. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. the one that's at the Carnegie in so Pittsburgh is number one. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. I actually have some of the, the what's called uh, Ludo. So the plaster that came out of the inside of it. Yeah. So when that's, we that's, when we move it, we have to pick it up. Right? Yeah. And the plaster falls out of the bottom and we mm. just sweep it up and throw it away. So I swept it up and put it in a bag. Oh, he's <laughs> such a criminal. I heard man, I heard stories about that guy, man. They said he was different. You know he drove a Ferrari, right? No. His left foot was broken. Mm. Like permanently, so he couldn't press the clutch in. Mm. So he would have his brother in law yeah. get in the driver's seat and at midnight they would haul ass through the city, raising hell in this Ferrari. It was all because he couldn't drive it, so he made his brother-in-law drive it. That's <laughs> amazing. The studio was seven foot by seven foot, and that's why everything's tall and skinny. <laughs> literally. Literally, that's why everything's tall and skinny. Yeah, they, said the was was they said yeah, he was different. They said he was different, man. They yeah. said he was different. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a full documentary, but anyway, let, let's get so, back but, to yeah, so yeah, got I, you. He, so this, his work is based upon this idea of uh, stopped motion, people in motion, the figure in motion, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, a lot of my work dealt with this idea of stop motion photography, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of uh, phenomenological event, the texture, the feeling, 
the way things interact. Okay. So one piece uh, that I made, it was called La Corona, and it was uh, two baseball stadium lamps on a steel armature, and the both lamps were on, and the top lamp was on a timer, and it was actuated by a, a motor. So every 60 seconds, the top lamp would rotate 45 degrees in and mm-hmm. out of sync. Yeah. So what it would do, it would create a corona, which is the shadow of an eclipse, mm-hmm. the sun around the eclipse. It yeah. would create that on the floor and on the ceiling from these two lamps. And as it would pan out, it would eclipse back and forth. right? And that was based upon a poem a dear friend of mine wrote. Uh, he's Pakistani, and he watched the eclipse come up over the dunes outside of his family's uh, paddock. Yeah. And uh, so that's the kind of work that it would make, something that would have mm-hmm. this kind of interaction with the room, it would have interaction with the people, right. and it would have a kind of a visceral feel. Hmm. Um, How bright were those lights? Uh, they're 300 watt yeah. uh, tungsten lo- lamps. Got it. Oh, I good, took good. the sodium lamp out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it wasn't the straight baseball lamp, yeah, yeah. but it was the baseball, it was this giant baseball stadium lamp I got at a junkyard. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, so they panned it where, out. Where do you, okay, you said that was inspired by a poem that yeah. uh, your friend wrote from um, Pakistan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where do you tend to, when, when does it get to the point where, oh, it's time to, I got to sculpt? You know, like, how, where does the inspiration come from? Uh, like, like, you get into the studio and the materials speak to me a little bit. Okay. Right? And I, I start to, oh, like, so plaster is one. Plaster is one of these materials that is suddenly, it's powder and water, and you mix the two together, and it kind of becomes, it's a soupy mix for the first couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes, like, marshmallow fluff. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a little bit tough, like peanut butter. And then it becomes rock hard. Mm-hmm. Right? So it is alive in its own, and we only have X amount of time with it. Mm. So I start. I would Love play that. with it. I would mold with it. I make a form, and they'd be like maquettes trying to understand the material. And then so I bought two dozen mini weather balloons. I started filling them up with plaster and hanging them. And as I was hanging them, one broke and onto the floor. But the plaster was at that creamy consistency, and it stuck. Just let it sit there. Right, so I made another one and hung out, hung it up inside of a basket made of wire, and the the balloon started to droop over the wire. Yeah. Right, so that became number two, yep. and then number one was the same thing except I held the balloon taut the entire time, so it was perfectly cupped on the bottom. So these three works became this evolution of how the first, second, and then the break. Right, oh, this is it's a story. reference of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the material spoke to me, right? So, because the, because of the way that the first one broke onto the floor, yeah, I was like, well, now we got to do number one or number two, the first process. We right. got to talk about the first and the first one, and then and then this whole thing needs to stand in something. So, I built an eleven foot tall structure that stood, and that was made of cast uh, or made of steel pipe, right. and it was fabricated together, right? And then I had to have a conversation about, well, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? Right? Yeah. So uh, by chance, uh, there was a, a woman whose name is slipping my mind right now. She was setting up uh, an exhibition that had a, happened to, uh, in um, downtown at, uh, is it Space? Space downtown? Oh, yeah. Which was downtown. Okay. Yeah. So it was in Space Gallery. I sat there for four weeks. You know, or no, four months, I should say. So it's it just the, the work, for me... As a sculptor, it's really whatever touches my hands and how yeah. I feel at that moment. And you got to play around with it and throw it, like just see what happens. Right? right. So I almost I almost ended up in the hospital with anaphylactic shock because of rubber. Hmm. What do you I, mean? What is that? So anaphylactic shock is the when you're allergic to something. Right? Oh, okay, I got you. So I bought, I went to the like a, tire, a car tire place. I got all their old used inner tubes. I bought a bunch of inner tubes and I started wrapping stuff with them, rivet them together. Right. I wrapped myself in them at one point. I was trying to understand the material. I was trying to feel yeah. it. I was trying to own it, right? Did you I have clothes on? Yeah, I had my clothes on. Okay, I just, I just had to put that in there. And I was, in this, I was at the school. I was at the university studio. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. I've got this stuff on. I'm like, oh, i got to use the bathroom, whatever. I get up, and I go in the hallway, and my graduate student rounds the corner. He's like, hey, what's up? And he gets closer to me. He's like, what's wrong with your lips? I'm like, what? He's like, your lips are blue. I'm like, mm. are you kidding me? Like, yeah, your face is kind of swelling too. And like, something wrong. He's like, Do you need to go to the hospital? I said, No, nah, I'm just going to go home. Right. Mm. So I went home, I slept it off. 
see a friend of mine the next day. She's in nursing school. I right. explained to her what happened. She's like, oh, sounds like you're allergic to latex. Mm. You, could you taste it? I said, yeah, I could taste it. She's like, yeah, don't ever touch it again. So from <laughs> there on out, latex, no, no. You were, just, you were truly stubborn. I was trying to understand the material. And I, I love didn't, it. You know, it could have put me down. You know? Yeah. Would have been the end of me. So you never Sheesh. went in? To uh, ER or nothing? No, 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 yeah, I never went, because I stopped and walked away from it and slept it off. Okay. So, could have, you know, make my whole throat swell and all that stuff, maybe, yeah. I don't know. But you, you shot the shot, you know, for the art, man. It's a 22-year-old fool. Yeah, oh, you were 22 as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're fool. not going, yeah. yeah I'm just, it makes more sense, the story makes yeah. more <laughs> sense right there. We should have yeah. I was 22. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's, that's very, that's very intriguing, man. And, and we were just talking before, as we had to take another little little break, you know, just to clip it back together. But we were talking about we definitely have to do a round two. Yeah, we barely so scratched the surface. We gotta yeah, we gotta put I, you I in gotta, the scenes. I, I mean, there's so much. I'm <laughs> so intrigued. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous, man. But um, you know, as we do wrap up the podcast, you know, there's a question I usually love to ask uh, mm -hmm. all the people that sit in the seat. You know, if you were able to sit across from a younger version of yourself and give that person any advice mm -hmm. that you can give them, you know, any advice you can give them, what would that advice be? Make it all count. Mm. What age? Oh. I love that. 18. 18. Make I it all count. I, nothing. So from the age of 18 till 26, mm. I screwed around the entire time. I, nothing mattered. Mm -hmm. I just enjoyed life. I hung out with my friends. I drank too much beer. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasted 10 years of my life. If mm. when I turned, once I got into grad school, I learned how, because I was also working at the newspaper, everything had to count. Otherwise, nothing mm. was going to happen. Right? I had to yes. earn every minute of that. And that was really what it came down to for me. And now, mm. and that's how I am now. Yeah. So everything counts. Like this morning, my I was up at five. I was on the road by six. Mm -hmm. I was at my day job at eight. Then I can't. Then after my day job, I was I met a client up the street, photographed a bunch of turn of the century photographs for her for reproduction. Yes, I, I want to talk about that too. We're gonna to get that on the, in the next episode. Well, and then, well, I want to talk about the turning point when scanning became not the go-to in photography. Oh, got some when that switched. But we'll talk but about that. Like, That's the next episode. But at my day job, <laughs> I spent hanging a giant piece by a. a, a gentleman named Ellen Atsui, which is going to be in the front of the museum for the next mm. three years. Mm. So that's a whole You other, might be the most a, interesting that's man That's a whole other <laughs> uh, You might be the most interesting man I've ever met. I'm just a guy. I'm just I, a, I know, but God. I'm just a guy. Dang, man. I, I'm just a guy. I don't, I'm nothing special. With lots of building blocks. I've just right. been around the block, that's yeah. all. That's, that's, and I'm hungry, and I think that's what it comes mm -hmm. down to, and this idea of being thankful and uh, you know, responding to what's in front of you and being positive about it. Mm. I'm just hungry. That's really what it is. I'm just hungry. Yeah. I got to respond to the question that you asked earlier just before we close it up. Um, you were asking how can you take, you know, a job where you're not a oh, master yeah. of your own art and turn that into something where you're that you're able to make that a day job and still let it fulfill you. Yeah. And um, I think that I, I view myself as an artist first and you know, printmaking or, yeah. you know, the customers yeah. and, and the, the work that I do as an entrepreneur, that's a, that's a way to pursue my art. And um, a lot of what I'm creating, it's not necessarily the art itself that they gave me to do it, but the, but my art is the, the method of, of the actual printing or the process. The, the process. And even if it's something like we have stuff that we might send out to another vendor or I might have someone that works for me or whatever, but knowing, being able to know the process, how it works, why it works, the science behind it, and set it up the best that it can, be able to talk about it with your customers and make recommendations or ask the right questions. And I mean, and I'm not done learning yet. There's still so much more, but, but the, the, hand, right? that that is part of the art. Yeah. And without, without me knowing the printmaking end, then the rest of, I can't just, I'm, the stuff sells itself because I know what it is, where mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in print sales that are trying to sell things that have no idea how it works. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, 
we're busy. We got work coming out of our ears, and we we're just coming up for air, spending ninety nine percent of our time in production. So like, there's it's as long as we can solidify what the work is that we're doing and do it well, that's the art. So that's not that's my art. Even though it might be someone, it might be your business card. It might be that that sign, yeah. but it doesn't. That's not what matters. What matters is did I do did I make that reproduction better than anyone else could or did I use the tools to the best of my ability that for what I had and what I produced mm -hmm. that's where mm -hmm. like that's where it becomes your that's where you get the joy out of it absolutely does that make sense absolutely yeah. I agree 100%. absolutely yeah. I agree 100%. Man, 100%. So I'll close I with think, that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being that, here. Uh, We're gonna have you on again. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Please. guys. Man, uh, is there somewhere where they can find you? Let's let's do that. You know, where where can yeah. they find your services if they would like to have your services? Instagram is the fastest way, but mm -hmm. so Instagram is Nestor Photog, uh, and then my website James J Nestor N E S T O R mm -hmm. dot com. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, you definitely gained the follower. Right <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it right before, that. right after we get off here, and I, I get to my phone. That. It's happening. The most interesting um, man in Pittsburgh. The most interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry, he's gonna hate that. I'm, I'm playing with him more I than know, you. I'm, so, I'm, truly, I'm truly the shyest man in town. You sure? I know. I, no. Yeah. I would rather sit in the back of the room mm -hmm. and not hear anything. Oh man, the so there's a story to tell. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you, yeah. man. Hey, um. Guys, man, this was a treat. Uh, those listening, this is Thoughtful Discussion with Josh Schneider and yours truly, Corey Ochai. And, uh, man, this is the reason why we do this. Uh, I, hopefully, if you're listening today, you've gathered something that can help you move past wherever you are at or maybe even analyze what you've been through, mm -hmm. you know, to get a better understanding of oneself. Um, my thing is I just want to say go out there, do something beautiful, uh, Man, go 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 create, and um, remember this world is a blank canvas. Each of us have a paintbrush, and we have to paint a masterpiece together. So, um, if you can do something by yourself, and you thinking all all you can do everything, remember um, you may not be thinking big enough. Man, go find go find your tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and subscribe so you can listen to part two. It'll be coming out. Oh, absolutely. In a few months, but this it'll be is coming happening, out. guys. This is happening. <laughs> Man, thank you. That's, that's, that's a wrap, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Sir. yeah.